it's recording. Recording. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Caribou. Caribouni. And welcome to episode Tisa, episode 9 of the podcast. Alex, what are we talking about today? Well, this is the big one. We're going to be talking about our uh, first lesson and more generally the first week in the village. So this was straight after um, our first action day, wasn't it? Which we spoke about in the last episode, I believe. Mm -hmm. Many moons ago. Unfortunately. (laughs) So that was on the Sunday and our first lesson was planned for the afternoon on the Monday. Yeah, that's right. I don't think we we planned it until like we went in on that day. Yeah. It was It was done the morning of. So, well, we might have thoughts about that later on. But yeah. <laughs> uh no rest for the wicked, pretty early start. What time was breakfast? 8. Half 8. 8. eight. Yeah. yeah, 8. Uh-huh. So, yeah, up at 7.30-ish. Make sure you're ready, get your shower. Now, I think... Nice bucket shower. Yeah. I think day one, we didn't go to uh, Lunch Mama's for breakfast. There was some weird, like, money issue. Yeah. Because I went to, you know, Izzy's family. They had, like, a much smaller law cafe on that end of the village. And so I had breakfast there for some reason. I don't remember that clearly. Okay. But I might have just had it at home. Yeah, that might have been maybe. We anyway. didn't we didn't eat at lunch mamas on Sundays. No. Sundays uh was yeah, we our homestay would feed us uh breakfast, lunch and dinner chakula. Mm-hmm. Onwards, nine o'clock, get to the uh classroom. And then my favourite part of the day, it's time for the Energizer. Ah, I like your irony there, because you didn't like them at all. No one likes them, Joe. Everyone thinks they're pointless, you're just too much of a coward to actually say it. I'm sure some people liked him. Hmm. Some people would get into the, um, like, Echo 6, I'm sure. I had a lot of fun with theirs. (laughs) They were singing and dancing and... Okay. Did the Energizer? I'm not sure what it was. It wasn't the uh, infamous game of Duck Duck Goose that uh, permanently crippled me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this is where we allocated the uh, the first team team leader of the uh, the cycle. Yeah, so we'd have uh, we had our main team leader leaders, which were Gabby, Mary, and Edwin. But then we'd also have like. Um, a team leader within the uh, the group, like a weekly team leader, um, and they didn't really do much, but just sort of be like a communicate between the team leaders and the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. So they choose a different UK volunteer and a different TC volunteer for each week. And given that we were there for kind of nine-ish weeks and there were eight people in the... Well, eight UKs and eight TZs. Seven. Seven, was it? 
I mean, Gabby's already a team leader, isn't she? So. Okay. But anyway, basically everybody got uh, one go at it, and I think yeah. one person got two or something. Yeah, I think so. As, and so uh, there were team leaders, because there was one UK and one TZ that would take up the uh, mantle. Yeah. Who was it first? I feel, I feel like it was George. Was it George? I was going to say um, Katie, but I don't really remember. I, I know that you were second, weren't you? Did, was she called Katie or Kate? I thought it was Kate, but but some of the some people called her Katie. Uh, anyway. What would have been an I, easy edit is now impossible. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> you can just go back and say, I think it was Kate. <laughs> Too late now. Um, but yeah, I think you were the team leader in the second week, weren't you? I I don't think so. I feel like I was quite I was one of the later ones. Okay, because I think I was <laughs> yeah. like the last or the penultimate one. But uh, okay, I was near the end anyway. Hmm. So that was all chosen. We all uh, trotted back to the classroom, and we were given the stuff that we would be using for the next ten weeks. So this was a bunch of kind of stationary pads of papers various pens being like biros up to kind of big chunky marker pens massive uh, sheet of paper i feel like it was a pad of a1 those are my original thoughts there yes definitely didn't just read that off your plan <laughs> indeed the uh laptop a fairly like decent laptop Bug standard yeah yeah but not like super old or anything it worked fine it um, had like Excel and a few games. Bubble Witch was one of our favourites. Uh not not sure why you'd know that, Joe, but uh anyway. <laughs> and then probably the most important bit, we were given the teaching booklets. Now I've written down here that we were given eight, but I think we were actually given six. Because I vaguely remember there being like three UK ones. But uh yeah, half of them were in Swahili and half of them were in English. Yeah. So that. Uh, or maybe it was four in English and two in Swahili. It could. It, I feel like it might have been something weird like that. Okay. I don't know though. But anyway, it, it was it like. It was a long time ago. It was. It wasn't enough for the whole group, but it was like almost enough. So if you wanted to find one, it wouldn't be too hard. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The, these were exactly the same uh, in English and Swahili. They had the exact same formatting, the exact same activities, etc. It was literally just uh, translated by someone and put back in. Well, our first job for that morning was to plan out how we were going to do these lessons. So this booklet was about... We were talking about this before the podcast. It was about maybe 30 to 50 pages long. Yeah, about that. And it was roughly split up into ten kind of main sections. Yeah, like each section was a lesson, more or less. Um, oh, I thought it was more... I thought it had like ten sections and each section had like five lessons in itself. And oh, okay, each of right. them was roughly yeah. like a page. Because I remember, well, 
we were planning it out and Jill was kind of going through totting them all up so she was saying well this bit uh, this is like 7.3 so we'll do that on the Tuesday and this is 7.4 so we'll do that on the Wednesday and then like 7.5 and 7.6 are quite small so we'll do them both together on the uh, the Wednesday and whatever I do remember that now yeah um, it was quite complex yeah there was quite a lot of well for a for a thing that we were taught in one day, there was quite a lot of uh, there was a lot of waffle in the book that I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we tried to we tried to uh, make the most engaging possible lessons we could out of the content that was in there. Indeed. Tried to. Ah. Uh-huh. So, so this was uh, like nine o'clock through to I don't know maybe like ten eleven. By the time we'd all sat down, cleaned out the classroom, done the energizer, talked about uh, team leader and their responsibilities, I think at that point my uh, homestay mama brought over the uh, the tea and coffee kind of jugs, which would be a, a staple in the corner of the uh, classroom. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that detail, but <laughs> sounds was, like something. Those little, uh, the kind of like insulated flasks that would sit in the corner, and then there was the kind of like hot chocolate powder, as well as kind of coffee and tea bags. Oh yeah, vaguely remember that. Okay. I remember people obsessing over the hot chocolate. Yeah, and there was what's it called? Uh, powdered milk. But yeah. Do you remember that hot milk we used to get at the um, lunch mamas? Oh, in the morning with the weird skin on the top. Yeah, I I uh, I hated that. No disrespect to them, but I did not. Yeah. I did not like that. Was it like goat's milk? I, don't... I think so. Probably. Yeah. I've occasionally had goat's milk a lot. when it's oh, uh. Oh, what's it called? Discounted at the supermarket, and it's got a bit of a weird taste. So. Fresh and pasteurized straight from a goat could be pretty, pretty funky. Mm. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like some of us would request to have chai instead. And by some of us, do you mean me? I mean, pr- probably you, and also me. Ah. Uh. Because. Uh, I think we heard that it was more expensive for them to get the milk. Oh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. We were like, uh, I don't bother with the milk. <laughs> yeah, this is a lose-lose situation. Anyway, that was in the breakfast. We're coming up to lunch. It was time for us to actually plan the lesson. So, I think Jill had gone through and, uh, I don't know what you call it, like categorised them all. And uh, Izzy had written up a big uh, calendar on the wall, which lessons we were doing which days. So it was Monday. Looked at the calendar, which lessons we had to do. It was a uh, time to plan. You say that you're you're listing like a couple of things that different people did. Do you remember what we did? Because I don't. Me uh, and you. So, like the booklets. <laughs> is pretty self-explanatory like the lower sections uh well it's like 40 pages and we had 10 weeks to teach it 
and we were doing six lessons a week of like two hours length each. So in terms of like actually explaining the booklet, we had more than enough time. So each lesson was like taking up, I don't know, maybe a page at the most, but more likely kind of half a page. And that half a I page... I feel like you... it was like a page and a half. Per lesson? Two pages. Like, we had all the information. Yeah. And then we had some suggestions of activities. Yeah. And, and then and then a sort of summary. Hmm. There was quite a bit on there. Right. I just remember one of the lessons that I did was literally about, I don't know like three quarters of page and that was a whole two hour lesson to maybe teach something that I wrote I read in absolute tops four minutes but regardless um, I think for that very first lesson there was lots of uh, kind of thrown around of ideas I mean there were seven UKs, seven TZs so that's 14 people all with ideas, all trying to take a, have a unique take on a couple of pages at most of lesson plans. So, I don't know. I think I retreated into myself and didn't particularly contribute much. I, I don't really remember what the first lesson was. I think half of what we were going to teach the people was literally just an outline of what we were doing. So I think they were... Yeah. Like, quite a bit of that first lesson was explaining about how they were going to come to the lessons and then based on who had the best uh, pitches at the end, we would allow them to have a uh, discussion with the... What's it called? They could pitch their business to the leaders that were coming in. We were we were sort of going through, like, the whole, the whole, pro- the whole program with them, like... We're going to do these few lessons on uh, cash flow, some of these on the budget and some business model canvas stuff and all this stuff we hadn't heard of prior to uh, going to Tanzania, but they came common language for us. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever heard of the uh, term business model canvas before... Uh, the training week in Morogoro, that final day. But, uh, yeah, it was second nature. I think there was Do you a... remember what it was? The business model canvas. Yeah. So it was it's like you've got... A... It was literally a sheet of paper that was kind of split up into various boxes. And then you would put in place uh, various things about your business. So you'd say who your customers were. You'd say what your unique selling points were. You'd say what your kind of sources of income are, what your sources of, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, uh, what you have to pay, rent, wages, etc. Uh, opportunities for your business, threats to your business. So opportunities are like, uh, I don't know, expanding out or potentially doing a sideline in something else. Oh, wait, that is that something else? We, we It was a sort of SWAT... Uh, thing. Th- SWOT analysis. Yeah. Opportunities for a SWOT analysis. They're kind of, they merged together, I think. You did a SWOT analysis and some of the stuff that you took from that you could put onto your business model canvas. But basically a business model canvas is a piece of paper that you could hand over to someone 
and they'd be able to look over it, get a rough kind of view of what your business was, how it makes its money, how it, uh, what, uh, what threats there are, etc., and decide whether or not they want to invest. Or so I think that's okay. what the business model canvas was. It's almost like a an advert for your business to investors. Yeah, and there was also the problem tree. <laughs> I do not remember this. But anyway, uh. I think we should save this up for next episode, where we can go into a bit more about the actual lessons and what we were teaching. Okay, yeah. Because right now we had uh, planned the lesson. We went for lunch, which was at uh, Lunch Mama's for, well, the first time on a kind of work day. Right, yeah. And then we were back and we were actually doing the lesson. Well, we were standing in the classroom while uh, the... TC volunteers were doing the lesson. Yeah, so it was pretty busy. We were always told that we were supposed to expect a uh, drop-off of people attending the lessons. So I guess the first day that would have been the busiest of all of them. Though I think we were we were pretty good. I don't. I think we maybe got I don't know a quarter of people dropping off at most. Mm. I don't think that classroom was too packed on the first day, and it wasn't very empty on the end. So, we did we did get a fair few dropouts, but we we did get some like good faithful students students who stayed through to the end. Yeah, but yeah, I think we had all uh, another thing that we had prepared in the morning was a small law speech, saying like, "Hello, good to be here. I hope you all uh, hang around." So I think everybody, we started the lesson by everybody, uh, all the uh, kind of UKs at least, uh, going through and reading us a bit of Swahili that had been prepped for us by our TZ volunteers, just uh, saying who we were and that we were happy to be there. But then, yeah, I think it quite quickly devolved into pretty much just handing it over to the Tanzanian in-country volunteers. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, we would be around to sort of help out with menial tasks like uh, maybe filling out the register, uh, handing out sheets of paper, um, collecting those sheets of paper at the end, yeah. uh, maybe fetching stuff from the other classroom every now and then. But in terms uh, of... It's one of those, the realities of the language barrier that if someone has a question, if you don't speak Swahili to a very good level, you're just not going to be able to answer it. So you're not really of any help. But yeah, I think we were slightly helpful in that we uh, we used to write on the board. We could copy out from the booklets onto the uh, scratchy, scratchy chalkboard. Yeah. But yeah, very much uh, menial kind of assistant tasks. Yeah, the language barrier was quite tough, really, especially when it came to to teaching the lessons, because there was really, I felt like very helpless in those lessons. Like uh, there was really nothing I could contribute. Mm. But uh, yeah, first lesson went through. I think. For quite a bit of it, I extracted myself from the classroom. It wasn't that big, so we were just kind of squished up against the back wall. So I think 
I excused myself at some point and uh, sat on the kind of like step outside. I think I might have been joined by some more of the uh, the UK volunteers, slightly further down. But uh, yeah, played a bit of Phil. Yes, I think so. I think some uh, some kids came over at one point, and so I potentially uh, made the mistake of allowing them to have a go on Phil. But uh, <laughs> they spent all your coins. I will never forgive them for that. Uh, the lesson was finished. It went on for probably the two hours, maybe a tad longer. I guess some people would have had questions at the end, which was, which would have taken up a bit more time. But yeah, come kind of five o'clock-ish, uh, it was time for a regular part of the day, and that was the uh, debrief. Yeah, the... Um... We would just go through what we did that day, what we taught the the entrepreneurs, um, what we think went well, what we think didn't go so well and could be improved for next time, mm. and just all sort of things that people wanted to get off their chests. I think that was uh, that was kind of hosted by the uh, the team leader. So the in, weekly team leader. Yeah. Yes, sorry. And so, in terms of responsibilities, along with a phone call to Caro at the end of the week, that was one of your main ones. Yeah, the phone call. Yeah, which but... uh, <laughs> most of it was spent trying to figure out whether you can hear each other. Yeah, cell reception in uh, Quadoli was not the greatest. It was not the greatest, no. But, uh, yeah, debrief, and then come 6 o'clock, 5.30, evening's all yours. Yeah, um, make sure you put on your lungs. Mm. Uh, Cheeky lungs. bit of deet to keep the uh, mosquitoes at bay. Yes, of course. And I think we headed over to the logs at the first available opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the first lesson. Uh, I think the next day was pretty much the same. Once again, early starts, breakfast at lunch, mamas, back to the classroom. I think in that first uh, debrief, we had uh, realised that too many cooks spoil the pot, and it was probably better to allocate people a bit more stringently. And I think we came up that uh, two UKs and two TZs should uh, do the lesson plan and teach the lesson for the day, and then everybody else yeah. could do other tasks at the same time. And mm. we thought that would be more productive and a better use of resources. So yeah. I think... To the uh, lesson plan that was drawn up, there was also a, a rotor of who would be doing them for the next couple of days. And so, second lesson, kind of the same as the first, but instead of everybody involved, it was just the uh, two Tanzanian volunteers and two UK volunteers who would be doing it. Yeah, which worked a lot better. Um, the UK's probably found it easier to get themselves involved like talking with the TCs like seeing where they're up to and 
offering ideas. Mm-hmm. I think um, we, I think in that first uh, what's it called uh, debrief, we also brought up the fact that, uh, or at least I did, that uh, UK volunteers weren't very helpful in the classroom. That uh, because we didn't yeah. speak Swahili, we weren't that much use. So I think to make it fair, to make it that we weren't just a, a third wheel, I think we said that the UK volunteers should focus more on planning the lessons, and then the TZ should focus more on kind of like teaching them, or at least the UK mm. should take up more of the slack in the planning of the lesson because they were taking up less of the slack of the actual teaching. Yeah. So that was at least my suggestion. Uh, I think it it got off to an okay start. There were a few uh, other activities that we did in that first week, like the uh, medical emergency kind of what would it be called? Uh, Practice. Yeah. Sort of risk assessment, maybe. Uh, it wasn't risk assessment, it was uh, when something bad had happened, a kind of role play of what you would do, calling up a yeah. uh, field base, telling them the issues, and then relaying information, etc, etc. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that was something that you all do in your first week. I don't think we were blessed with uh, Caro's presence, she came a few... Maybe the third week to have a little look over how we were all doing. But yeah, yeah. first raft of six lessons going through some of the very early thing, which I think focused more on kind of uh, mapping out your local for the for the uh, what's it called for the students it was about uh, kind of mapping out their local area and seeing where there was an opportunity for a new business so i think that's mainly what the first week to maybe two weeks was uh focusing on oh yeah yeah we had to draw a map didn't we uh yeah but uh yeah i think that's pretty much everything you'll be doing in your first week big question what were your thoughts on it joe how do you think you were feeling after that first week? Uh, how did that make you feel about rally? How did that make you think? What could have gone better? What could have gone worse? What were your highlights? What were your lowlights, etc.? Um, well, I, I I remember we had that little conversation while planning for the action day, like uh, outside collecting leaves uh, to make a little hut. And we were sort of saying, well, we're here in Tanzania, in a rural community that um, that uh, we're meant to be helping and here we are collecting leaves. What are we actually doing here? Like we there were there could have been so much so many better things we could have been doing, it felt like, than just planning lessons and not really being able to contribute much as uh, someone who doesn't speak the language. Uh, um, yeah. Th yeah, definitely. I think I was under the same impression. I thought it was... 
I felt very surplus to requirement. Like, if all the UKs were sitting around playing Uno and a second canopy fell on us and we all had to be sent home to the UK, I felt the TZs could have done exactly the same as well as they could have with us there, but without us kind of thing. <clears throat> it would have come to pretty much the same result, but uh, we haven't mentioned the normal village life. Yes. But I found that a lot more meaningful and rewarding than the project itself. I uh -huh. didn't get a lot out of the project. Like, I mean, seeing them get their um, things at the end, spoiler alert, sorry, yeah. um, was quite good. But at the same time, I was thinking that I didn't really do this. But it was the relationships that I built with people in the village that meant the most to me and did you think you were you feeling that by the first week or was that uh later on that you uh, started kind of realizing that maybe the project was less of a focus for you then or at least you were getting less out of it well i i from the start like i i knew i wasn't getting a lot out of the out of the project and planning the lessons because I didn't feel like I was being helpful but what was getting me through even from the start was just speaking to people even if it was just like a mambo and a habari sagioni and just hello good evening how are you I'm great how are you I'm good how's your evening even you I know that you would often criticize that sort of conversation but it really did mean a lot to me it was just just like um, I don't know, just a connection. Oh, no, I think yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Uh, I think I really wanted to. I think from the beginning, because of the heavy insistence that uh, everyone at Rally had said from that first interview in London right through to Morogoro, they're like, "This isn't volunteerism. You are a hundred percent here to yeah. fulfill the project." I was. When it came down to it, I was quite disappointed in that. Yeah, I felt like I was a, a spare wheel, not really, not really mm. needed, and yeah. so, yeah, I did enjoy I'll the uh, village life as much as you will say I didn't, and I think that's the thing that I get the most out of. Uh, if you can't tell, when we're trying to remember what we did at rally, I don't really remember too much about the lessons and stuff because it was so uh, not really involving me that much. And I mm, think if you ask yeah. any UK volunteer, it will be pretty much the same. But my memory is a uh, is razor sharp when it comes to kind of village life and the activities the we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as much as I did uh, poo poo your little. Uh, <laughs> kind of copy and paste uh, NPC dialogue. It it that was the stuff that I enjoyed as well. I just think I did it in a bit more of a unganganga kind of way. <laughs> it was just seeing like how happy they were to like sort of see us come into their their little village and yeah. be interested in their way of life. Whether well, yeah, uh, like it was that little family that lived between my house and the main street. If you imagine you're at my house and then you walk to the main street, 
there was like a little house on the left that people would have breakfast in the morning and they always like waved at me in the morning and I always like awkwardly waved back and like it's one of those things that I remember that a billion times more than I do mm. I don't know the SWOT analysis that we did in the second week so I, I had a feeling from the start um, which as that it was more for our benefit than theirs and that has been very much confirmed because I I do think I got a lot more out of it than I gave. Uh, and what from the start, what do you mean? From the start of being in the village or? Well, from even before I, I went, like it, it, the feeling got stronger as, as it went along. Mm. Like, cause, um, I knew, I, I, I would sort of question myself, like, what am I gonna do? I'm just some average dude with not many good specific areas of knowledge. But, uh, but I, I thought, like, it's, it's a cultural ex- exchange, isn't it? They learn a bit about us, we learn a bit about them. Uh, yeah, it's not just the uh, factual knowledge you're giving them. Yes, it's them. It's them seeing us being here and mm. embracing their culture. Yeah, that can really like. I feel like that really did make them happy. Mm. And can probably, don't know, like in that kind of soft way, inspire them and that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Well, that's enough about getting deep about the rally. Uh the impact of Rally International and uh, charities in general. Time for the part that everybody likes. It's the Swahili segment. Ah, the Swahili segment. Okay. Um, Let's go with one that's slightly slightly relevant to today's session, which is Kufundisha. Okay. Kufundisha means to teach. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Putting coup in front of a word means like two, but oh. you'd say you'd say that as in like to teach or teaching kufundisha. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if if you were saying I am teaching, you'll say nina fundisha. Ah. Oh. Or I was teaching nili fundisha. Um. So fundisha is teach. Uh. Kujifunza is to learn. Uh-huh. So what one thing I would say quite often is Nina Fundisha Kiswahili Pole Pole. Okay, which... I know what this means. This means I am teaching Say it again, sorry. Nina Jifunza Kiswahili Pole Pole. Uh I am learning uh Swahili sorry. Sorry. Something like that? That is what I thought it meant when I was saying it. Okay. You are you are very close. Poly poly actually means slowly. So I suppose it's like, sorry, sorry, sort of like, slowly, slowly. <laughs> okay. Because poly is used in a lot of ways. Like, mpoly means... Uh, like me, 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 and Polly means I am gentle. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that was my Swahili segment. <laughs> right. I have segued into a few 
That was that was a very interesting Swahili segment. That is in the. Oh, that's uh, good. That's in the top ten Swahili segments of all time. <laughs> so it's better than Kalenda. <laughs> Slightly better. <laughs> Just about edges it out. Uh. Boris with a fact. Oh, you're googling. You're googling. Well, it's a fact I know, but uh. uh you have to get it right. Yeah. Uh, oh no, what's, what's a boring fact? Uh, <laughs> I'm so bored. It's Alex's boring fact. Starting now. Okay. So, uh, brass is a metal, and it is a alloy of copper and zinc. I did not know that. Did you not? Okay. No. Now, copper has a melting point of 1,085 degrees, and zinc has a melting point of uh, 419 degrees. But wow. brass, weirdly enough, has a melting point of 930 degrees. So... If you melt copper, mix it with zinc, it then like melts at a lower melting point. Ah. Uh, well, I suppose that makes sense because it's sort of in between the two. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought it would kind of like, I don't know, bring it up or something. But mm. yeah. And you can get some alloys, and I was trying to find them, but I couldn't, so I just went with cop uh, with a. Uh, brass but uh you get some metals where they both have like a low melting point you mix them together and then they have an even lower melting point but yeah i couldn't find an example quick enough so fortunately you'll have to do that research yourself that's your homework ah, for sounds very boring, boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway final uh segment of the show 15 uh, quid 15 quid would you rather have an encyclopedia of boring facts or 15 quid? 15 quid. 15 quid. As your... Okay. I agree with your sister. <laughs> right. 15 quid. Care to explain? Well, I don't even know what this book would be. But regardless, I'm sure I could get it cheaper on Amazon, so... Yeah. Money, please. <laughs> now, here's one for you that's actually interesting. Would you okay. rather be able to run the 100 metres in 10.5 seconds one time in your life? For reference, oh, if you're an time. average person, you can run it in about like 14 to 16 seconds, depending on your height, etc., so one time in your life, you'll be able to run it in 10.5. But, yeah, just one time. So that's not world record, but that's like top 1% of people. Right, yeah. And I'll have a stretch goal in case that's too easy for you to answer. But you seem a bit, uh, bit perplexed by this, so yeah. I was going to say... I was going to say that... Until you said once in my life. So well, it's yeah, like, do being I... 
Would I pay 15 quid for that experience? Uh. I think I would. Okay. I don't know, though. Because when it's over, it's over, and I've lost 15 quid. I was going to say, stretch goal is you don't know when it will be. Just one time when you're running 100 metres, suddenly, bam, you do it in 10.5 seconds. Oh. That makes it interesting. Yeah. Um... Huh. Will it be like? Do you think it will kick in when I like most need it? Uh, what like when you need to run away from a mugger or something? Maybe I th I think it's like it's a roll of the dice. I've looked uh I've looked into the uh the witch's eye and I've seen all the times that you will run a hundred meters, and I've just kind right. of I've said that you're gonna do it, like, one thousand three hundred sixty four times. And I've just chosen a random number between one and that, and that's when you'll do it. So it could be you running for a bus, it could be you running uh, away from someone. I think it's complete random. Ah, so it could completely go to waste. <laughs> yeah, you could do it when you're just like, I don't know. Just yeah. like training. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact that you could get that good yourself. I'm not sure. Maybe you secretly got a sprinter inside of you. But yeah. Um I'll tell you what I'm best at sprinting when it's at the end of a long distance run. That means I can't, you didn't like, run it properly. If you've I got can't. energy to sprint, you didn't run fast enough the rest of the race. I know. That's what people always say. But yeah. I can't jump straight into a sprint it i have to build up uh -huh. like maybe a 200 meters i could i could sprint but uh i'm saying that but i'm not any kind of athlete i i'm just a sort of average uh -huh. average joe if you like wow i'm gonna i'm gonna take a gamble and i'm gonna uh can i run at that speed once in my life please Okay, you're not taking the fifteen pounds sterling. Can you can you grant me that now, please? Uh, I'll have a I'll have a word with my higher ups in uh, three to seven working days. You should get your answer. <laughs> okay, that was an interesting one. Makes me feel kind of bad about my uh very dull fifteen quid. Yes, that's why you have to put effort in, Joe. Uh, did you do you think about these in advance? Uh, well, bit of a peek behind the curtain to the uh, viewers. We actually recorded a bit of an episode yesterday before I had to leave. And so I have been thinking of it ever since. Uh. And, but I wanted, I did my, uh, should I? I want to edit this out or maybe I'll just leave it. But I wanted to know what the record for like a standing jump was. And I, I was going to do the same, uh the same kind of 15 quid or once in your life you can just jump like two and a half meters into the air but uh, uh. i can't find what the world record is all i can find is like the world record for high jumps and that's a bit different because it's like you know flipping over on your back it's not really the same yeah indeed but yeah uh I think that's us all done for this week. Yeah, sounds about about right.
Well, sorry for the break, but we're back. And hopefully uh, you've got a bit out of this. Next week is uh, episode 10, which will be... Uh, is that village life or food? Or... Well, we haven't decided. Which one do you want it to be? Uh, ooh, go village life. Okay. So we'll do village life and maybe an intro into food, and that will be episode 11. But yeah, we'll be talking about the rest of phase one before, uh, what's it called? Uh, well, phase review. Phase review. At, what was the place called? Uh, was it Yamo? Yes, it was. Oh, was that the last place? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember the name of the last place. But anyway, that's enough for today. Uh, we'll let the listeners get off. And uh, yeah. Have a nice day. Whatever you're doing. Yeah. Bye for now. Kwaheri Tutuanana. Bye. Hey, now you're an all-star. Get your game on go and play. Hey, now you're a rock star. Get your show on go, get paid. Hey!